Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 33, verses 1 through 17. Hear the word of the Lord. Now Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming and 400 men with him. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two maids. He put the maids with their children in front, then Leah with her children, and Rachel and Joseph last of all. He himself went on ahead of them, bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came near his brother. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. When Esau looked up and saw the women and children, he said, Who are these with you? Jacob said, The children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the maids drew near, they and their children, and bowed down. Likewise, Leah and her children drew near and bowed down. Finally, Joseph and Rachel drew near, and they bowed down. Esau said, What do you mean by all this company that I met? Jacob answered, To find favor with my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. Jacob said, no, please, if I find favor with you, then accept my present from my hand. For truly to see your face is like seeing the face of God, since you have received me with such favor. Please accept my gift that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have everything I want. So he urged him and he took it. Then Esau said, let us journey on our way and I will go alongside you. But Jacob said to him, my Lord knows that the children are frail and that the flocks and herds which are nursing are a care to me. And if they are overdriven for one day, all the flocks will die. Let my Lord pass on ahead of his servants, and I will lead on slowly according to the pace of the cattle that are before me and according to the pace of the children until I come to my Lord in Seir. So Esau said, let me leave you with some of the people who are with me. But he said, why should my Lord be so kind to me? So Esau returned that day on his way to Seir, but Jacob journeyed to Succoth and built himself a house and made booths for his cattle. Therefore, the place is called Succoth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me that these words might truly become your living word to your people. I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds that we might receive that word exactly in the place that we need to hear it. For we pray this in the name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. You remember the story. Jacob and Esau... Twin brothers, sons of Isaac and Rebekah. When Rebekah was pregnant, God spoke to her saying, there are two nations in your womb and two peoples born of you shall be divided. The elder shall serve the younger. When they were born, when they were born, Esau came out first with Jacob clinging to his heel as if he were trying to 
pull himself up past his brother to become the older brother. When the boys were older, Esau came in one day from working in the fields and he was famished. And he saw that Jacob was preparing some stew. And Esau demanded some of the stew to satisfy his raging hunger. And so Jacob made him a deal. He gave Esau some of the stew in exchange for Esau's birthrights as the elder brother, which included a double portion of the family inheritance. Later, when the boy's father Isaac was old and blind, he called Esau in one day in order to give his elder son the coveted father's blessing. But while Esau was out hunting for food for Isaac, Jacob deceived his father, covering his hands and his neck with goat skin and putting some of Esau's clothing on. And so Isaac mistakenly gave the blessing to Jacob, saying, May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. But when Esau returned and discovered what his brother Jacob had done, he became enraged and he vowed that he would kill his brother. So Jacob went on the run and he ran off to the land of Haran where he stayed there with his uncle Laban. And there the Lord blessed him greatly giving him a large family and enormous wealth. One day after 20 years, God spoke to Jacob and told him that it was time to go back home. So Jacob packed up his family and his flocks and his servants and his goods, and he began the long journey back to Canaan. As they approached, Jacob sent servants on ahead to his brother Esau to let him know that Jacob was on his way with his whole estate in tow. The servants returned to tell Jacob that Esau was on his way with 400 of his men in tow. And Jacob was terrified. For not only was his life here in great danger, but now he had so much more to lose. That's really what most of our fear in life is all about, isn't it? Losing something. Isn't that what most of our fears surrounding this election have been all about? Now we fear losing our way of life. We fear losing our democracy. We fear losing political power. We fear losing our sense of security. We fear losing our job or our health care or our wealth or our rights. We fear losing peace 
and civility in our society. We fear losing a direction for our country that matches up with our lifestyle or our beliefs. There are so many things in this life that can make us afraid. And yet, again and again, throughout the pages of Scripture, God commands us not to be afraid, but to put our trust in Him. Unfortunately, trusting in God had never been Jacob's strong suit. Despite the fact that God had promised Rebekah that Jacob was going to be the one who came out on top, not Esau, Jacob still tried to achieve it all on his own. And he caused a lot of pain and broken relationships in the process. And yet, God still blessed him mightily because our God keeps his promises. But now, all of those blessings were at great risk. And Jacob is beside himself because for the first time in his life, he has encountered a situation that he cannot manipulate his way through or run away from. He cannot protect his family, and he will not abandon them. And so Jacob does the only reasonable thing to do when we are afraid and we realize that in reality we are not actually a god he prayed. And Jacob reminded God of his promise to do good to Jacob and to multiply his offspring. And he acknowledges that everything that he has gained has been a gift from the Lord. And he says, I am not worthy of the least of all the steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to me. For with only my staff, I crossed the Jordan. And now... I am a great company. Deliver me, please, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I am afraid of him. He may come and kill us all. Not yet fully trusting in the promises of God, however, Jacob also sent on a few hundred animals from his flocks as a gift, an attempt to appease some of Esau's wrath and perhaps purchase a little mercy. And when he got his family settled in for the night, he walked off onto his own in the darkness, unable to sleep, anxious about what the morning would bring. You know what that's like, don't you? When worries about tomorrow take hold and they keep you up at night as you wrestle with them until the morning comes, pleading with God to intervene. Little did Jacob realize how literally God would. For when Jacob went off on his own into the night, The Bible tells us that a mysterious man came and wrestled with Jacob until daybreak. Later, the prophet Hosea would say that this man was an angel. Regardless, the text 
wants us to see this all-night wrestling match as Jacob contending with God. And as the morning came, Jacob's stubbornness refused to give up. And so the man struck Jacob on the hip, leaving it badly damaged. And yet Jacob still refused to release the man, saying, I will not let go unless you bless me. And so the man gives Jacob a new name, Israel, which means contends with God. And the man blessed Jacob. And when the sun came up, Jacob was there alone, amazed to still be alive, saying, I have seen the face of God, and yet my life is preserved. But he was left with a terrible limp. The truth is, it is impossible to wrestle with the living God and come out completely unscathed or unchanged by the experience. I actually think this is one of the reasons that so many of us prefer to remain in the shallow end of the pool of our faith because we are afraid of what changes God might bring or ask of us in our lives if we dive in all the way, like perhaps tithing. As if Jesus didn't make it crystal clear that we had to lose our lives as we know them for his sake. If we were ever truly going to find the blessed life that he was dying to give us. For as the cross makes clear, with our God, we always have to lose in order to win. Because his power is made perfect in our weakness. And now Jacob had lost his favorite strength for hustling his way through life. He could no longer run away. Now he was completely dependent upon the power of God to deliver him. So when Jacob looked up and saw his brother in the distance, he went out ahead of his family to meet Esau on his own. And as he went, he bowed down on the ground before Esau seven times, thus returning back to Esau the blessing that he had tricked their father into giving him. And then, to Jacob's amazement, rather than sending 400 men to attack, Esau ran out to meet him on his own, and he wrapped his arms around his brother, and he kissed him, and they stood there together and wept. And 
And when Esau looked up and saw all these people, he asked Jacob who they were. And Jacob said, these are the children that God has graciously given your servant. And then all of his family bowed down before Esau as well. And when Esau asked why he had sent all those animals, Jacob said, to find favor with my Lord. Again, notice the language, your servant, my Lord, bowing down, Jacob trying to return the blessing, to give it back to the brother who, for whom it was intended, and to show his subservience to Esau. But Esau would have none of it. And he refused to engage with Jacob as anything other than an equal, as a twin. And he said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. But Jacob, overwhelmed and amazed by the grace and the mercy and the kindness that Esau had shown him, begged him to keep the gift as a token of his gratitude because God has been gracious to me and I have everything I want. Finally, after years of hustling his way through life, trying to achieve on his own the blessings that God had already promised to give him. Jacob finally realizes that everything that really mattered in his life was simply a gift from God, undeserved blessings from the God who always keeps his promises. So Jacob finally gives up his need to gather more blessings for himself and to hoard what he has. Instead, he longs to give it away. For when you are overwhelmed with gratitude for the blessings and the kindness that you have received from our gracious God, you cannot help but want to share it. You also become a whole lot more gracious to the people who have hurt you. And clearly, Esau has been on his own journey with our wrestling God, who has also blessed him greatly and changed his heart as well. The truth is, the only way we are ever going to be able to make peace with our adversaries, those with whom we disagree or those who have hurt us, is if we first spend time wrestling with the God who longs to bless us and heal our relationships. Otherwise, we will always seek only to win rather than to reconcile as Jesus commands. And so rather than always praying that God would change the other person, perhaps we need to spend more time praying that we might be changed 
trusting that our reconciling God is still at work in ways that we cannot see and that he longs to heal and to bless. For whether the other person has ever changed or not, Jesus still commands us to love them, especially other Christians, even if they're still the same pain in the neck they've always been, even if we think that their political opinions are completely insane, even if they don't ever seem to act like followers of Jesus, our job is to make sure that we always do remembering that they are still our brothers and our sisters in Christ who commands us to love one another as he has loved us. He who died for us while we were still his enemies saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But first, we have to be humbled and changed by Jesus, letting go of our pride and our need to win or be right, and instead seeking his healing and his peace. And our nation certainly needs Christ's healing and peace right now, doesn't it? As does the church. One of the most difficult aspects of this election season has been how often we have been at odds with other Christians who clearly do not see things the same way that we do. Some of them are our closest friends or our family members. And yet Jesus still commands all of us, no matter which side of the voting aisle we've been on, to be like Esau, reconcilers and forgivers. Letting our hurt from the past stay in the past and seeking the promise and the hope of a new day. Trusting that our God is still sovereign And that he is still the God of blessings who is able to carry out his saving work regardless of who wins an election. Unfortunately, our story does not turn out quite as blissfully as we might have hoped. Despite all the promises that God had kept to Jacob, despite the fact that God had blessed him beyond his wildest imaginations and certainly beyond anything he deserved, despite the fact that Esau had received him with such kindness and such grace and such mercy, Jacob was unable to completely surrender to the reconciling power of God. And in the end, he returned to his deceiving ways, pretending to accept the gracious hospitality offered by Esau, 
but instead turning in another direction as soon as Esau was gone. And as far as we know, the brothers never saw each other again except to bury their father. It turns out we cannot finally leave our old self with its old sinful ways behind until we have been changed by the cross and the Prince of Peace who died there so that we might become a new creation, his instruments of his reconciling power in this world. And so Jacob, in the end, was not able to fully trust in the faithfulness and the promises of God. The question is, do we? Amen.